Well, let's get into the Word of God tonight. And uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, thank you so much tonight for this, the Word of God. Oh, we treasure it. We value it. We highly esteem everything you say and do. Speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Speak to us that we may know things that we don't know yet. We may see more clearly things that we do see to some degree. Lord, we trust you now. We need you. Lord, we, we have a need for more understanding. Need for greater insight in these days. So we can be aware of the times. Thank you for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we began uh, this series, a, whenever it was that we began this series. This is only the second part, but we've been, you know, interrupted at times with, uh, with God, which is all right. And, uh, and that's fine. But you remember we started with this series called These Last Days. And that comes from Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom uh, also He made the worlds. And uh, what we've explained to you in, I'll ju- just briefly say this, that God has moved in throughout human history in segments of time or dispensations. I don't want to cover that material again, but knowing that is uh, very important and helpful for us to understand the Bible and understand what was, what is, and what is to come. And when we understand that we live in a specific period of time uh, called the age of grace or the dispensation of grace, or we could call it the church age, then we recognize that certain scriptures speak directly to us and to the time in which we live, and others don't, okay? And it also can help us to understand why Uh, in the Old Testament and even in the ministry of Jesus because they were before our dispensation that when the the end times were spoken of certain things were omitted all right certain things were not spoken of or at least uh, for the most part just not spoken of at all but sometimes not really explained I mean they were that some things were put forth in type and shadow but they weren't explained to the full because we live in a time that the word of God calls uh, calls a mystery, all right? We live in the mystery. But to us, for the most part, it's not a mystery anymore. We walk in the knowledge of things that those for ages past wished they would have seen, wished they could have understood. But yet, the mystery wasn't revealed to them. But now that we've been born again, amen. Remember Jesus said, unless uh, a person is born again, he cannot, what? see he can't see the kingdom of God seeing has to do with perception and understanding you can't see the things of God you can't understand the Lord can't understand his kingdom to uh, to the degree that we need to without being born again 
All right. But again, we live in this church age, and we made mention to you last time that uh, in the old covenant and uh, in during the teachings and, and ministry of Jesus, for example, in Matthew 24, when Jesus talked about end time events, uh, he did not reference our time, and he did not speak about the rapture. He did not speak about the church meeting the Lord in the air. Those things came later during the epistles or the letters to the church. In other words, during the time the mystery was being revealed. And so that's why you look at certain parts of the Bible, and if we're ever going to understand end time events, you have to realize that sometimes uh, the Lord was just not talking about uh, certain aspects, and that specifically now that has to do with the church age, all right? And let's look at over here at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I do want to talk to you a little bit about the rapture of the church. Uh, and I understand this, that the word rapture is not, uh, if you do a concordance search, you're not going to find it. Uh, in our English New Testament, okay? Uh, likewise, if you look, look up the word Trinity, you're not going to find that either. Uh, how many know that refers to the, uh, the Godhead or the one God uh, who is three persons? Uh, the, the, the truth is there. The word is not there. The word rapture is not there, but it's a word that we've come to use. Actually came from the Latin uh, originally, but it's it's has to do with the catching away of the church, has to do with the departure of the church, and so the principle is there even though we oftentimes use that word and some look for that word, I can't find the rapture. Okay, well again it's used to explain what we see taught in the word, and that is uh, for example right here in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 4. Uh, Verse 51. Verse 51. Uh, it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. A what? A mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all. Who's the all there? It's all believers, right? And to the church. We shall all be changed. Now, how many understand sleep? That's referring to physical death. Oftentimes, physical death is referred to as sleep in the Bible, and, and the reason for that is simply because uh, physical death is a temporary state, all right, uh, and, and a person is not really gone, and sometimes death, in some people's mind, it think, you think, I die, I'm just out of there, I'm gone, I'm just finished, I'm, I, cease to live, I cease to exist, and, and that's not the case. Okay, it says we shall all be, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet of, uh, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Okay, in other words, what's the, what's the scripture saying here? Uh, basically, most people, well, all people throughout history have come to a point where they died okay i know enoch didn't die and elijah didn't die all right everyone else <laughs> came to a point of physical death but we however are different in this regard um uh, well when i say we could be us could be us in other words the lord could uh catch us away and we meet him in the air, and so we would never sleep. 
instead of sleeping or our physical bodies dying, we could be changed. And that will definitely, 100%, happen to some group of people. Many of us think it will be in our lifetime. That means it's us. All right? And, uh, and if we're all wrong about that timeline, then it'll be another generation. But someone's going to be changed. What's going to happen in a moment? They're going to be going along through their day, serving God, working on the job, taking care of family, playing golf, enjoying the blessings of God. And all of a sudden, what's going to happen? In a twinkling of an eye, they're going to be changed. Wow. <laughs> it's going to be nice. I'm, if you like sci-fi, I haven't got anything on the change that's about to take place. All right. Now, think about this. And think about this terminology. I'm coming at this from a particular viewpoint, as many of you can see. And I'm going to explain why. Uh, but there are, in one sense, two comings of the Lord. One really is referred to as the second coming, okay? One is called the day of the Lord. The other is called the day of Christ. One of them is the time when we meet the Lord in the air. The other one is the time when the Lord comes and sets His foot on the earth. So only one really is the second coming of the Lord. Uh, However, there is... This time when we are changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye, okay? During the time, I want to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and go through these verses here tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. During the time when, actually 2 Thessalonians is what we want to look at. During the time that 1 Thessalonians was written, Many believed that the rapture of the church was very near, and a lot of that was because of Nero being a very, very evil ruler, and uh, they thought that, uh, you know, they were in the tribulation because he was persecuting Christians big time, and it was for Christians in that time, in that part of the world, it was a very horrible time to live from that respect in other words they're being persecuted big time like i said and so they thought that he was the antichrist and you can understand to some degree why we've done that throughout history all right we'll we'll come come back to that but uh after this first epistle was written someone had written a false letter to the thessalonians and they put paul's name on it We have to understand that in the early church, a lot of this happened. Most of us in good Christian churches today, we stick with the Bible and anything that's written by anyone else, and we're supposed to do this, by the way, anything that's written or prophesied or said by someone else, we submit that to the written Word of God. And if we see that it disagrees, we throw that out. All right. God does speak today. He does speak uh, through pe- to people, through people, and, and we thank God for that, but we always subject that to the written Word of God to judge it, all right? Okay, in their day, of course, the uh, New Testament hadn't been compiled in its completed form like we have it today, and, and there were lots of letters going around, 
okay? And some of them were great, and some of them were fake. And someone would write a letter and put Paul's name on it. How many know you have to be spiritually discerning? And they were troubled by some of this because this letter went out and, uh, and basically it said, some of the things I taught you in the first epistle were wrong. I've changed my mind. The rapture has already occurred and we're now living in the tribulation. And so these people were confused about what Paul was actually teaching and what he was saying. So he wrote them another letter to clear some of these things up. Let's begin reading here in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you. Now, what this is speaking of here is the rapture, the catching away of the church, as there will be no gathering together at the second coming. All right? But at the rapture, like I said before... Uh, Jesus does not come to the earth. He appears in the sky where we're changed and we meet him. I'm not sure about the time, time frame of that, just to be honest with you. Uh, I know oftentimes people will say we are going to instantly be in the sky. That might be the case. I always read that the scripture says we're instantly changed in a moment. So I don't know if we're going to be instantly changed and then slowly go up. That would be fun to watch. Might be people grabbing on your foot. Take, take me, take me. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I can't say exactly for sure. Maybe the instant change is also an instant uh, transportation. And we're going to instantly meet him in the air. But that is what's, what's going to be the case, uh, that we will meet him in the air. And so at the second advent of the Lord, when he actually uh, comes at the end of this time, uh, that's when he literally comes to the earth, earth, he will touch the earth, put his foot on the earth, and he remains here, okay? Whereas the other, when we meet the Lord in the air, he's just coming to get us to take us to heaven, to be with him during the tribulation. How many understand that we are called ambassadors of Christ? In other words, we are citizens of one country in another country, representing the country from which we're from. We are citizens of heaven. We are all aliens, right? We're citizens of heaven representing the Lord in the earth. How many know if you're going to bomb a country, first you pull your ambassadors out? (laughs) Tribulation is bombing time, by the way. (laughs) Actually, now, look at verse 8. We're going to come back and catch the verses in the middle. Verse 8 says this, and then the lawless one will be revealed, we believe that's the Antichrist, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And so at the end of this, the Lord is going to destroy the Antichrist or the lawless one. Now, I want you to consider this thought. Yeah, that's exciting news. Praise God. Go ahead and shout. Uh, okay, woo yeah. We always win in the end. Now, I want you to consider this, that verse 1, we have the rapture, the church departing the earth. And in verse 8, we have the second coming. 
verses 2 through 7 describe the events in between. All right. Let's go on and read verse 2. He says, Not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. In other words, again, he's referencing that they're confused. They're troubled. He said, chill, you guys. I don't want you to be troubled by this in mind or in spirit, by a word or by a a different letter. He's referencing some of the things that have gotten them off in their own minds. Uh, He said, as though this has already happened, the day of Christ has already come. He's basically telling them, it hasn't come. He said, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, well, that's actually italicized in my Bible. That means it's not in the Greek. But notice that phrase, for that day will not come, okay, unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition. Now, this is a verse that actually gets interpreted different ways by different people. All right. The what what it seems to be talking about on face value, and I'm not going to entirely throw this possibility out, but that this falling away because it comes from the Greek word uh, apostasia, where we get apostasy, that uh, that there's going to be a falling away first. In other words, there's going to be a great rebellion. There's going to be a lot of people who are absolutely against God and fighting against God in this time before the man of sin is revealed, or before the Antichrist is able to come in the earth. Now, we understand this to a degree. We can see that happening. You can see the world becoming more and more anti-God. Now, the church is not. The church is actually growing and thriving. But in the world, in our very country, I mean, there, are, there were laws passed today huh, that are very anti-God and designed spiritually to shut down the church. Okay, I don't want to get into the details of those things. If you're, not, if you're worried, read the news. <laughs> okay, some of it's called, just so you know what I'm referring to, it's called hate, hate crimes laws. All right, that stuff is bogus. You got to be a fool. Can I say that out loud? Yeah. I want to say it in capital letters. You got to be a fool to be involved in that kind of stuff. I'll say it to you again after church, <laughs> so I can stay 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 on on focus here. All right, but these kind of things are happening in the world, um, and so you know you can see how well maybe that kind of makes sense. There's a a big uprising against God in the world, and that makes way for the Antichrist to come and uh, this man of sin to be revealed. However, I also want to present to you uh, another way that you can look at this verse. And, uh, you know, the English translation, at least in in the New King James and others as well, uh, does use that phrase, Where'd it go? There we go. Found it again. (laughs) Uh, The day will not come unless a falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. That phrase there again, falling away, is 
typically used in a negative way in the context in which it's used. But I'm told by some Greek experts that the word apostasia all by itself does not necessarily have to be negative. It's a noun used here about this coming. And they say it actually simply means departure. That that what Paul is saying here is that before the man of sin is revealed, there's going to be a great departure. Well, what kind of departure could that be? It could be in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that there is a departure of the church. And then the man of sin is revealed. Let's go back to, to that dude a minute. Of course, uh, people have been trying to predict who that is for a whole long time. You know, uh, back, you know, even in our time, so to speak, you know, a lot of people thought it was Hitler. He's the Antichrist. And, and uh, Mussolini thought he was the Antichrist. And, and some are calling certain people in world leadership today the antichrist and uh, listen understand that the word of god tells us uh, over in first john that there are many antichrists okay but not all of them are the antichrist there in other words that spirit has been in the world the whole time and there are many people that do things that are contrary to the ways of christ they are very much antichrist that doesn't mean they are the Antichrist, all right? There, you know, it does make some sense to think that the Antichrist will be a Jew because why would the Jews treat him as a Messiah if he wasn't? Again, I'm not going to be dogmatic about some of, the, some of these things uh, because they're not spelled out exactly and, and perfectly, at least the way I see it, in, in, in the Word of God. Uh, but uh, is this verse here about this great apostasy that's, that, that will happen first. Is that saying that, you know, the church age is going to end in defeat? I don't really see that, that we're going to go out with a whimper. I see that we're going out with a storm. Come on. With some great things, with God moving and people being, uh, uh, you know, brought into the kingdom of God in droves. And, you know, so it makes me, uh, you know, wonder if, if, if Paul was actually saying there's going to be a great downturn right before that happens. Let's go on and, and, and look at some other things here. Um, uh, but, but again, this word uh, doesn't necessarily mean all by itself a following way, falling away, but rather simply a departure. And it could be read that the tribulation cannot come unless there be a departure first. There's a, a, a man named Kenneth Weist who has an, an expanded translation of the Bible. And he translated this verse like this because he brings out a lot of the tense voice and mood of the original Greek. He said that it's translated this way, that day cannot come until the aforementioned departure of the church occurs first. Now, when he says the aforementioned, where was that mentioned? That was verse 1. Okay, that, that, that was back, back in verse 1 where he said, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering unto him. In other words, the time when we meet the Lord in the air. Now, uh, if, if we go on and read, uh, read a little bit further, verse 4. 
Because doesn't this make a little bit of sense that the Antichrist cannot be revealed until we're out of the way? I mean, we are the salt of the earth. And we are the light of the world. And your very presence on planet earth is holding back the powers of darkness to some degree. I mean, you, if you were to imagine this... Uh, you know, if you were to imagine the light of the world or the salt of the earth immediately being taken out, how many know what happens to planet earth? It's called tribulation. It's called this thing's going south in a big time hurry. Every uh, agenda of the enemy, of the devil, is going to come to pass because there's no resistance. I tell you, be you being here on the earth, you're having an impact just because Jesus is in you. Now, now we can have a greater or lesser impact based on how much we obey the Word and, and, and walk with God. I tell you what, just because you're here, though, you're making a difference. Don't leave too soon. Don't be checking out before it's time. Say, I got problems. Hey, it's all going to be gone one day. Don't take, don't take the early escape route. Stay here and make a difference. Be here. Smile a lot. Say thank you, Jesus, a lot. You're helping. Okay. Again, now verse 4. This is the son of perdition, the man of sin, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, this is some dude, isn't he? Sounds a lot like... I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High God. Words of Lucifer before he got the boots. Isn't that right? He tried to exalt himself. Well, why would this man of sin be speaking and acting the same way? Because he's possessed by him. He's possessed by the devil. He said, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know... What is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time? Now, I find that interesting. He men- makes mention that there is, there is someone, there is this he who is restraining or keeping back the Antichrist from being revealed. In other words, if this is in our time, that means the Antichrist is here. That means he's here, but what's, but he's not revealed. He has not come into power. Why? Because of him who is restraining. Now, this verse has often been interpreted to say that the he referred to there is the Holy Spirit. And uh, I have a real hard time believing that the he who is restraining is the Holy Spirit because if the Holy Spirit, if He leaves the earth, if He is taken out of it, how is anyone going to get saved during the tribulation? Do you realize that not a person can get saved without Him? He, without Him bringing conviction. Hmm? You would not be here. Without Him drawing a person to the Lord, none of us would be here. All right. A person does not get born again. They are not born of the Spirit, which is being saved, if there is no Spirit there to be born of. And so 
Again, how could it be the Holy Spirit that he is here now and then he's going to be taken away and he's no longer here in the earth? I don't see how that can, that can be right. Say, who is the he then? Now, hold on. Let me, let, let, me, let me continue with this. Don't be answering too quick. <laughs> the he, and, and don't voice your objections to this. Hold on to them. You can talk later. The he is the church. <laughs> the he is the church. The church is taken away, and then, <laughs> and then the Antichrist or the man of sin is able to step in. And lead this world in a very wicked way. So why didn't you want us to say anything? Because some of you think that the church is a she. And that's why you're objecting in your minds. You think the church, you think Jesus is a male head with a female body. No. Are you saying the church is a he? Yes. I am saying the church is a he, not a she. But I thought we were the bride of Christ. We are not. We are going to be the bride of Christ. Right now, we are the body of Christ. We will be, we will be taken out of here. And we will go through what's called the judgment seat of Christ. Right? Or the reward seat where we're rewarded for good and, and all bad works are burned away. We will be without spot and wrinkle. And we will be the bride of Christ. Amen. In fact, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride Adorned for her husband. And there will be the time when we are she. We are the church. But again, he or the church is restraining and keeping back the powers of darkness so that this great tribulation and this great on thrust of satanic work and evil cannot happen to the full amen now look at look at chapter 4 uh, of 1st Thessalonians <laughs> uh, pastor my Bible doesn't have a chapter 4 I noticed that mine didn't either so let's go to 1st Thessalonians <laughs> Chapter 4 and verse 13 says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Amen. Isn't that a good verse? Man, when you've lost someone who knows the Lord, you don't sorrow the way the world does. What's the way the world does? Man, it's over. You'll never see them again. A lot of them kind of have some wish that they will or hope that they will, but it's not based in reality. We know. 
Oh, what you know can save you. <laughs> all, all kinds of problems. He said, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. What do you mean those who sleep in Jesus? Not talking about some kind of soul sleep, right? No, it's just talking about those who physically died. Because doesn't, doesn't the Scripture teach, doesn't the Apostle Paul teach us uh, uh, that those who are absent of body are present with the Lord? So what happens when a person physically dies and they know the Lord? They're immediately transported to the very presence of God. I mean the greatest thrill ride of your life. You step out of your body and woo, you're right immediately in the presence of God. Yeah, you're absent of body and then, bam, you're right with the Lord. So what about the body then? Well, it goes on to say here, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Who's going to shout? The Lord is. The Lord is a shouter. And he said with the voice of an archangel. So he's talking too. And with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So, say, I don't understand that. The dead in Christ, why do they need to rise? Well, again, it's speaking about their physical body. See, we're going to be changed in a moment, but that's the same time. Those who have already died, uh, they don't have a glorified body at this point. They have left their body. They are in heaven as spirit and soul. All right. Now, Say, that's kind of weird. They're just spirit, huh? Well, you remember when the Apostle Paul had a, had a trip to heaven, trip to paradise, 2 Corinthians 12. He couldn't tell whether he was in his body or out. So uh, apparently when someone is just in spirit form, it's pretty much the same, at least as far as their experience goes. But God did design that your body would never go to waste. It could be glorified. It could be perfected. Be all fixed up, shined up, made brand spanking new, and it never, never, uh, you know, decay again, and never, you know, get zits or, or, or wrinkles or or anything un, unseemly ever again. He can fix it up and make it perfect, and it'll last forever. But what's going to happen is those who have already died are coming, are coming with the Lord, and they're going to pick up their bodies, their new glorified bodies, and then we're changed. And so it seems that they precede us from this verse. In other words, they've already died. They've already, they're already with the Lord. They're going to pick up their bodies, and then we're kind of right behind them. Right? And then we're all going to meet the Lord in the, in the air, and that's going to be nice. All right, and, and let's go on. Uh, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. See, that's where we get rapture, words like that. Uh, the other one was will be taken out of the way. Uh, we'll, we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. This is real clear. I know there's some scriptures in Revelation and uh, some scriptures in Daniel, and we'll take a look at some of that. But uh, uh, 
that some of those things that aren't super clear because it's used in figurative language and types and shadows, all this, this is real clear. Any, any believer can understand some of the things, uh, 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 some of the basics about the end times and what's going to happen. Look at verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Do you know that they were all troubled? They were troubled in mind and in spirit concerning what was happening and what they were told already happened. And, oh, we missed the rapture and we missed this and, oh, now we're stuck. And he said, comfort one another with these words. If ever end time events, if ever these things are taught and preached in such a way that it brings people discomfort, if you're all anxious about it and like, oh, man, what are we going to have to live with? Ah, and you're just uh, getting in fear about, about the future and what's going to happen to you, that's not inspired by the Lord. He's, he's not speaking words that will cause His children, His people, to be afraid of end-time events. All right? We ought never be afraid. Don't let anything in the news. Don't let anything in the book of Revelation. <laughs> Don't let anything that anyone says cause you to fear what's coming in the future. That's not what the Lord wants. He wants us to be in peace. He wants us to be comforted. Amen? And, and if something is causing us to think otherwise, again, I question the inspiration and whether it really came from God. Now, in, in finishing up here tonight, let me, let me just share with you uh, some of the differences that we can see between the rapture of the church and the second coming. Are there, any, are there any differences? We've mentioned some of them to you already. But uh, first of all, at the rapture, the Lord Jesus comes in the air. At the second coming, Jesus comes to the earth. All right? And uh, if you're taking notes, some of you are. 1 Thessalonians 4.17, what we just read. And then Zechariah 14.4 speaks of Jesus coming to the earth. And then... Also at the rapture, he comes for his saints. He comes for his saints. Again, the scriptures we just read, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. <coughs> and, uh, but at the second coming, Jesus comes with his saints. That's when we're coming with him. All right, Jude 14. And then at the rapture, uh, or, or concerning the rapture, the rapture is a mystery. What we read there in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. The rapture is a mystery. Uh, the second advent, the second coming of Christ is not a mystery. It was talked about back in Zechariah 14 and, and other places. All right, The rapture is identified as the day of Christ. Whereas the second coming is called the day of the Lord. All right, Numerous scriptures along those lines. Uh, day of the Lord, Zechariah 14, 1. The rapture is a time of blessing to the church, 1 Thessalonians 4.18. All right, you can see what we just read, comfort one another. The rapture is a time of blessing to the church, whereas the second coming is a time of judgment and woe. It's a time of judgment. All right, Isaiah 13.9. Isaiah 13.9. The rapture takes place, again, this is what we referenced earlier, in a split second, or we're changed in a split second. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 52. Whereas at the second coming, the Bible says the whole world will see him coming. Everybody's going to see him. But not at the rapture. All right. The, the rapture involves the church. And you can read scriptures 
like John 14, 1 through 4, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 58, and then these 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. The rapture involves the church. The second coming involves Israel and judgment of nations. Matthew 24, verse 1 through 25 and 46. All right. Jesus comes at the rapture. He, is, he comes as the morning star. 2 Peter 1, 19. And uh, at the second coming, he comes as the son of righteousness. Malachi 4, 2. Those that are taken at the, at the rapture are blessed. Those left are judged. This is, the, this is the rapture. Those who are taken are blessed. Those who are left are judged. 1 Thessalonians 4, again 13 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 3. Okay. But those who are at the second coming, those who are taken are judged. And those who are left are blessed. Matthew 24, 37 through 41. And so there are, there are other things that differentiate between the two events. But, uh, uh, and, and, and I can also say this as well, that there are, there are some who believe this is all one event. That the second coming, the rapture of the church, is all the same event. It all takes place at the same time. Say, so what, what do you have to say to them? God bless them. How many know that in the body of Christ, and even in a given local church, these things aren't of essential importance where we all have to see everything eye to eye? Okay? If you say, I see some of these things different. Well, that's good. Study, keep, keep reading. Let the Lord show you things. And we're not going to fight about it, are we? No. All we, we, I think we, got, we all know this. We win in the end. All right, and it's all going to be good, and we're going to win. And whether you know whether we're here longer or shorter, we're all going to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. Amen. And, and and the Lord's not going to have an amputated body. I hope I make the rapture. Well, listen, if you're saved, you're in the body of Christ. You're going. Amen. Someone said, "Well, what if I sinned?" You really think you're saved based upon your good your goodness? You really thinking that God judges judges you based upon your good works or your bad works or your goodness and no 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 you're not saved if you think that or you got saved accidentally and and, uh, and then you started walking in the flesh no we operate by grace the Lord loves you no matter what you've done and if you've received Him and received His mercy and forgiveness you're in Amen you're in the boat the flood waters are coming but you're inside and going to rise up above. All the junk that's coming to the earth. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight for helping us to see and recognize the plans that you have for our future. And Lord, you've got these things all figured out. And we are operating in time frames that you have framed in with your words. And I thank you for helping every one of us as believers to be comforted even in the times in which we live where there's a lot of trouble and a lot of difficulties in the world today. I thank you that you protect us and we are safe in your loving arms, protected by your mighty hand. And one of these days soon, we're all going to be with you face to face. We'll forever be with you. We'll never part. 
Lord, we do long for that day. We'll occupy this, this world until you come. And we'll be faithful witnesses of you, bringing light into a dark place, bringing, bringing hope where, there, where there's fear and desperation, and bringing light where there's darkness, and bringing help where there is so very much need. Lord, thank you for empowering believers today to stand up for, for what is right, for what is true. Thank you for doing great things in our, in our lives. Glory to God. Father, I pray for those today, those tonight who've come to church who've never been saved, not on the way to heaven.